If you have concerns about how the new grad is approaching things, say something. Because as a new grad, I can't fix something that I don't know is a problem. Even if you're not comfortable saying it directly to the new grad, say it to the mentor. They'll decide if it's something that needs to be passed on or not. Welcome back to That Vet Life. In this week's episode, I am joined by Dr. Kate Boatwright. Dr. Boatwright is a veterinarian, speaker, and author whose articles have been featured in well-known publications such as DVM360. The subject, mentorship. Whether you are a veterinary student looking for your first mentor or a practice lead taking on your first mentee, Dr. Boatwright wants to see you succeed and has written articles and spoken at vet schools on this very topic. In today's episode, we will be answering the question of what it means when we say it takes a village in response to taking on a new graduate. Listen as we discuss why this topic is so important and how to implement it in your practice culture. All right, let's dive in. So Dr. Kate Boatwright, I am insanely excited about talking about our topic today. Talking about our topic today. How many times can I say that in one go? Because everything that like the articles that you write and the talks that you do all center around mentorship, which everyone who listens to this podcast knows I nerd out on anything podcast related or anything that's evidence-based mentorship related. So let's dive into what we're going to talk about today, which the whole tagline of it takes a village to raise a blank. And in this case, we're going to say raise a new grad. And we wanted to talk like, what does that actually look like? So first off, thank you. Welcome to the show. So let's break that down to like, what does that mean? Like what takes a village? Yeah. So for me, it really means that every member of the vet team can play a role in helping our new grads or our, uh, as I affectionately call the ones that I work with, my baby vets, can help us develop them. I know that I would not be the doctor I am today if it weren't for some fantastic mentors, but they weren't all veterinarians. Some of them were veterinary nurses. I uh, had support from my reception or client service reps. And so anyone on the team can make a big impact on the new grad experience. And I think the most fulfilling new grad experiences are the ones where you have that whole team behind you and you have that support. I was really lucky. I graduated in 2013, started work at a small animal general practice in central Pennsylvania and had a fantastic team. It was a five doctor practice. So I had plenty of mentorship from the vets that were there, but I had some really, really supportive experienced technicians who were there to kind of hold my hands when I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and not take the fact that I didn't entirely know what I was doing as a bad thing. So for me, that is what it it takes a village is all about. I love that. And as you're talking about the veterinary nurses, I'm like, I lean so hard into them every single day, even like a couple of years out now. And I remember as like when I first started, I'd be doing something like a procedure and I'd kind of get stuck and be like thinking, all right, what's the next thing to do? And they'd very gently and very kindly say, are you thinking about doing this? Or is this what you wanted me to get you? And without even asking, <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> without actually using <laughs> words. Like they're encouraging and they're supportive. And I, I just, I just love like hearing from other people and how in your experience you had that kind of practice where everybody was involved. So we're going to break this down department by department in the hospital and what each of those groups can do to support the new grad. 
But before the new grad even steps foot into the building, what kind of conversations should be happening within the hospital about bringing on a new graduate doctor? Yeah, so I'm going to back up even a step before that. And I'm going to say one of the questions that I highly recommend that any vet student or young veterinarian asks during their interview process is, when was the last time you hired a new or recent graduate? Yes. Okay. I'm so glad (laughs) you said that. (laughs) Yes. So that is my favorite question. And there's a few reasons for it. So number one is, you know, finding out how long ago it was, you know, is it, if it was recent, is that person still there? That's a really good thing if they've stuck it out beyond that first year. Number two is, so you know, okay, they're promising me mentorship. They're saying I can offer this to you, but have they ever done it before? And just because they haven't doesn't mean the clinic won't do a good job, but it may mean that you need to ask some more specific questions about what that mentorship is going to look like. And the third reason that question's important is because working with a new grad is very different from working with an experienced doctor for the staff. And so if the staff have never been exposed to a new graduate, or it's been a while since they had a new or recent grad, that can really impact their perceptions of you coming on. And so it's just kind of a good baseline to have as you go into that clinic experience. So you said uh, you used the word perceptions of what that new grad versus like a more experienced doctor would. So what would the team, let's break that down so people understand, like what are the expectations that the team would have of an experienced doctor versus of a new grad? Yeah, so I think the two big things that are the big differences between an experienced doctor and a new graduate, one is confidence level. As a new grad, we come out and we're like, Yesterday, I was a student and I didn't have any primary responsibility. And today I'm a doctor and now I'm in charge of your animal's life. It's a huge shift. And, you know, you can be the most confident person in the world, but the day you get doctor in front of your name, something happens and you're like, oh my gosh. And so, and that confidence takes time and that's okay. I think it's actually worse to be overconfident going into your first job, into uh, your first clinical position than it is to be underconfident. But from the outside, sometimes a lack of confidence can be misconstrued as a lack of knowledge. And so when I give my lecture on team support for new grads, I tell people like, if you remember one thing I said this entire time is it's this, a lack of confidence is not the same as a lack of knowledge. But I've had, even in my own experience, I've had teams, not in my first clinic, but at my second clinic, they hadn't had a new grad in over 10 years. So when I came into the clinic and I needed to ask questions and I was slower, those are things that are absolutely reasonable for someone that at that time was one year out of school. The team wasn't used to that. And so you know it can kind of get muddled where if you're not used to that, it can be misconstrued as that lack of knowledge. That's a really important part. And I was actually having a conversation with someone recently who's been out for like 30, 40 years. And they had said, they're like, the new graduates nowadays just don't seem as confident as they used to be. And he had actually cited a a research article, a bit more of a survey um, that had looked at new graduates and said, how confident are you at performing a cystotomy? How confident are you in talking about this or that or the other? And most of the students were rating their confidence level like as very low And in one sense, that's almost like you said, it was misconstrued as a lack of confidence being a lack of knowledge. 
And what I said back was, I don't think that they're not knowledgeable. I think that there is a ton more information that is needed to be learned nowadays compared to 30, 40 years ago. Plus, our clients have higher expectations about what kind of medicine will be provided. And so as a new grad, I'm like, well, crap, there's a ton of options in front of me. I have an idea about what we need to do to actually treat this animal, but to put that into words, into a plan first, and then put that plan into words to the client and communicate that, like that is a whole puzzle of things that were given the basis of how to do it in vet school. But until you put the pieces into practice repeatedly, like over and over and over again, you don't get that confidence. So I think the new grads, they have an idea of what they're supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing and how to do it. But the confidence and how to enact that and actually communicate it is where the breakdown happens. So I, there definitely is this uh, mindset where if they're not confident, they're not knowledgeable. But I'm so glad you said that. And I'm going to have you say it one more time just for the people back home. <laughs> yes. So a lack of confidence is not the same as a lack of knowledge. Yes. So write that down. Put it in your notebooks. <laughs> put it on a sticky note that goes on your mirror just so that you can say it over and over again. So let's go back to uh, now that we've like set the stage about what like as a new grad, you need to ask your potential Mm -hmm. clinics and also understanding the different mindsets that the staff members could have and how you can um, mitigate those problems by asking appropriate questions. So let's look at the actual team. So say your practice manager said, hey, guys, we are hiring a new grad. Yay. (laughs) Sparkles and balloons everywhere. And uh, the whole team says, okay, what does that mean? Uh, What are the kind of conversations that a team should be having about bringing on this new grad? Yeah. So I think the first conversation is just, you know, about setting those expectations, about the mindset, about the fact that I call it the practical knowledge gap that they have. Like you said, you know so much information coming out of school, but you don't necessarily know how to apply it. And you don't in vet school often see the common things. Like I was out of school maybe a month and had a case where the dog presented for like discomfort and it was scooting. And I did my rectal exam and I felt this like really firm, hard anal gland. And I'm like, oh my God, this dog has a tumor. And so I'm getting ready to like work it up and aspirate it. And I'm thinking it's going to need surgery. And I like, I go find my boss and I'm like, okay, like who here does anal gland surgery? And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, did you squeeze it? I'm like, why, why would I squeeze it? It's a tumor. And she's like, did you squeeze it? And I'm like, no, I didn't squeeze it. Like, I'm going to aspirate it. She's like, <laughs> squeeze it. It's probably an abscess. It's probably not a tumor. And I'd never seen an anal gland abscess in four years of vet school. I didn't know they could do that. I'm sure it was in some lecture, you know, somewhere. But, you know, how many times a, a day or a week do we see that in general practice? But it's just, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's that like, you know, we have to remember that our new grads haven't had that exposure to the common things. And so we can look clueless because, you know, we don't get that experience. And like you said, you know, it's that translation of the idea to the plan to the words. And sometimes things get lost in translation. So that's one of the big things is just having that conversation with your staff and saying like, hey, you know, there is that it's not again, not a lack of knowledge, but it's that practical knowledge that they may not be having. And number two is just preparing the staff that things are going to take longer. New grads are slower. We need to look things up. We need to ask questions. You know, I'm not going to know the answer to every client question off the top of my head, 
Spoiler alert, I'm almost 10 years out of school. I still don't know the answer to every client question off the top of my head. (laughs) And that's okay. And so I think that, you know, those are kind of the two big things is just preparing them that they're going to need questions, they're going to need support. And it's, you know, things are going to take longer. And then setting the stage for the schedule for the mentorship period. I am a big proponent of having longer appointment times initially after a shadowing period is even better. <laughs> so you have those longer appointment times to give them time to to get accustomed. I mean, think about when you start a new job. So as an experienced vet, I started a new job a year ago. I had to learn a new computer system, a new staff and workflow. I had to learn a new inventory and I had experience. So as a new grad, you've got to learn all of that, plus how to be a doctor. So just preparing the staff that, hey, they're going to start on hour-long appointments. And no, you cannot add in that sick pet that needs to be squeezed in. Just because they have an hour-long appointment does not mean we have room to double book them. So those are some of the things that I think are really important to have those initial conversations about. And as you were saying all of that, I was literally like dancing in the background. I was like, oh my gosh, she gets it. She gets it. <laughs> Which of course no one can see because this isn't a podcast. But yeah, it's the whole hour long. Like that is a big thing. And having that conversation with your potential mentors to say, all right, what is my schedule going to look like for the first three months of my of practice? How long am I just going to be shadowing? How long am I going to have appointments? Are they going to be an hour long and just wellness? Granted, they never end up being just wellness, but (laughs) the goal is to be just wellness. And then if as you get confidence, you can start taking on like an admit case. So that way you have time to work it up, even if it is sick and sick, meaning like it has an eye ulcer or an ear infection so that you learn the computer system and like all of those different things. But that's like a topic that we've covered in other podcasts. We'll cover it again. (laughs) But Yes, I love every single little bit about that. And it's just things that I tell my own mentees and they're going into jobs. I'm like, this is what you need to do. This is what will set you and your team up for success. So we touched on it a little bit about like the front desk and the reception and how they can be prepared and set the new grad up for success, which then sets the whole team up for success. So let's break this down department by department. So we've already touched on a little bit of the front desk, but let's dive into what they can do specifically for not necessarily they are set what they need to do to make the new grad successful, but what do they need to do to make the whole team successful in this new relationship? So we talked a little bit about the scheduling, but what kind of conversations need to happen there? Yeah. So one thing I think, you know, our front desk staff knows our client. I mean, our whole team knows our clients really well, but our front desk staff are, they're that first contact, first face, they're talking to them. They know, okay, Mrs. Smith doesn't like to be in room two because that's where she euthanized Fluffy. And just those, you know, those little pearls that can make things flow really easily or like, you know, Mr. Smith is willing to do anything and everything for his dog, but he doesn't have a lot of money. So you need to spread it out over time. You know, we do the 40X one month and with a fecal the next or something like that. And so, you know, passing on that information to the new grad can be really helpful of saying like, you know, hey, this is a longtime client, you know, this is a little bit of background information about them. And even going as far as, you know, making a personal introduction. So if the client stops in to pick up their pet food or their preventative and, you know, you you know the new grads available, you know, bring them out and say, you know, hey, Mr. Smith, we want you to meet Dr. Boatwright. She just joined our team. And you don't have to announce it to the world that they're a new grad. You can just say like, this is our new team member. This is our new doctor. That's actually a really big point there. 
Because I know on some people's bios, they'll say like graduated in this year. And I almost feel like it does a bit of a disservice to say, hey, this is the new grad because people will automatically have their own preconceived con- like notions about what a new grad can and cannot do. So I'd almost say like if they're introducing like to not even mention they're a new grad, just say this is our new doctor and do it that way. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. I'm supportive of that. And, you know, I've had clients where they're like, oh, when did you graduate? Or I mean, I have clients where I walk in there and they're like, you look like you're in high school. And I'm like, yeah, I realize I'm, I know. <laughs> you're they like, keep thank telling you, me, I'm forever youthful. <laughs> yeah, they keep telling me someday I'm going to find that as a compliment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but not there yet. But, you know, yeah, I think you don't need to, you know, expound on the fact that they're a brand new doctor. Just saying they're new to the team, they're the new doctor in the practice can definitely be enough. So yeah, I think those are the big things with the front desk is, you know, managing the schedule, being the gatekeepers and being, you know, sticking to that mentorship plan. And like you said, like ideally starting with wellness and then moving up to like, you know, little sick appointments at a time. And if there is a case that really needs to be squeezed in and the new grad's been there for a little while, you know, have that conversation with the mentor and the new grad, like, hey, can we, you know, how do you feel about this? Is this something, you know, that we feel like we can fit in? You know, we all know we're slammed trying to put cases in right now. I think it's just the biggest thing is have that conversation. Don't just put it in the schedule. Exactly. Don't just assume it's okay because all the other doctors who've been working for 10 years can handle that extra double book. And then the last thing is I think the reception staff hears a lot of feedback from the clients, even when they're just checking out or when they call later. And so passing that on to the new grad can really help with their confidence building. You know, if they say, hey, you know, Mrs. Smith thought you were awesome. She said she wants to see you from now on. Then, yeah, absolutely. Tell them that. Now, a quick word from today's show sponsor. Do you want to be part of a positive change in veterinary medicine? That's the question we're asking in our landmark veterinary employment, engagement and retention survey, which is now open. Maybe you're one of those people who are struggling, or on the other hand, you might be really enjoying your work and practice. No matter how things are going, we'd like to hear from you so we can build a clear picture of the state of the profession. We'll be writing and publishing a report based on the study findings so that everyone involved with veterinary medicine has access to a body of evidence that answers some of the key questions about what we're getting right and what we're getting wrong. If you're someone who cares about the future of veterinary medicine, then we'd now like to invite you to complete the survey. Your voice matters and it should be heard. It won't take long to complete and the more people who take it, the more reliable and influential the results will be. And if altruism isn't enough, then as well as being part of a positive change in veterinary medicine, you'll also be entered into our prize draw where you could win a selection of prizes each week, including a 50 buck Amazon gift voucher, up to 10 Starbucks coffee cards, and five copies of my ebook, So Your Vet, Now What? To take the survey, head to vetexinternational.com forward slash V E E R. That's Victor Echo Echo Romeo. You'll be contributing to a better future for veterinary medicine when you do. Now back to the show. That was one of the biggest things I found for myself is when I'd come in and like it would say, preferred to doctor, Dr. McCauley. And I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> And just hearing feedback. And I think I got like an online review that was like me specifically. They misspelled my name, but whatever. Like just the fact that clients actually liked 
me as a person mm-hmm. and the medicine I was able and the care as I was able to provide. I was like, wow, I actually can do this. So like you said, it's a huge confidence booster to be able to pass that type of feedback back to your new grads. So let's jump from our reception team to the people back in treatment. So our veterinary nurses, what are the kind of conversations we need to have with that team in order to make the whole relationship successful? Yeah. As we said at the beginning, both of us have had vet nurses who have held our hands and gotten us through some scary stuff. And, you know, I can't thank them enough. I especially I'll give a shout out to when I started doing emergency medicine. I was about three years out of school, but I was coming off a job where my confidence was pretty decimated and I'd never done emergency before. And there were times where I'd be in the clinic by myself and I had a a mentor doctor I could contact. But like those experienced ER techs were the ones that are like, okay, you know, we're going to keep you on track. We're going to keep you moving. And, you know, when I had a hard case, they're like, did you think about this? You know, Dr. Wilson does this, you know, have you thought about that? And so, you know, I have to give a huge shout out to them for making me an emergency doctor because I couldn't have done it without them. But I think the one thing I will definitely say with the nursing team is for the practice manager or the head nurse, whoever's doing the schedule for the nurses, just because your new grad has those hour-long appointments doesn't mean you should also throw a new nurse in with them. I've seen some clinics where they're like, oh, well, it's a longer appointment for the new grad, so we can let the new nurse have more time. And that can turn into like a blind leading the blind. Because I think it's really, really critical that we have those experienced nurses in with our new grads because they're, you know, not only going to be there and giving us feedback on our communication, suggesting, you know, hey, this is how, you know, a respectful suggestion of this is how this other doctor that I've been working with a long time approaches this. Have you considered that? But they also can help us become more efficient because they know the flow. You know, they can slip the dog out of the exam room to go get some diagnostics started while we're having that conversation with the clients. They're restraining and they're feeling, you know, maybe they feel a lump and they can kind of subtly guide your hand over there or, you know, give you that look like, hey, you need to look over here, Uh, make sure you don't miss this. So I think that that's one big thing is just making sure you're letting those experienced nurses work with the new grads, especially if they're people who like to teach. Absolutely. And and like we both said, like they are the people that we lean on so heavily as new grads because A, they've been around the block. They know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, they usually have a, a lot of good tips and tricks, especially if they like to teach, like you said, that honestly have saved my day and saved uh, <laughs> patients in some cases just from extra treatments and extra protocols just because they, they know how it works. They know the best way to do things. So it's really beneficial to pair them together. And I think along that lines, you go also look into surgery because the veterinary nurses are the ones who are going to be monitoring your anesthesia. And I know for myself as a new grad, like you said, it basically you want someone who's really experienced to be at the helm. <laughs> like, sure, I'm technically in charge of the medications and what we do with, with the ISO and different drugs that we give during surgery. But to have a really experienced nurse that can pick up on some subtle nuances in the trends that are happening before like a big scary thing happens Mm -hmm. gives you as a new grad a little bit more time to think, a little bit more time to process and say, all right, this is what I think I want to do. And you can stare at them with those eyes that says, tell me what to do, but don't tell me what to do (laughs) type of thing. So it's really beneficial to have those type of pairings. So then let's turn our focus to the veterinary assistants. So the people who are actually in the room with you, they're the ones who are helping to type up um, your notes if you have that type of protocol or putting charges in. 
and mm-hmm. generally filling meds and like in the pharmacy when you're in and out of things. So what are the conversations that need to happen in that team? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, again, I think, you know, pairing those experienced staff members um, with your new grads is ideal. Making sure that I think, you know, we know that our vet assistants, some of them that have been in the practice forever, you know, they have a good concept of, of what to expect. You know, they have a you know good concept of the flow. They can kind of double check you that, you know, hey, did you give all the vaccines you were supposed to? Did we hit all the high points of the, you know, the client communication? You know, if they're filling prescriptions, you know, just as a double check, you know, I've had some where it's like, especially when you're learning a new computer system, it's really easy to mess up. Like yes. if you're the one putting in the prescription and like, I'm still, I've been at this practice a year and I still mess up my script sometimes where I forget to change the quantity and my tech and my assistant comes up and she's like, Hey, this says you're supposed to, like, you wanted like two a day for five days. And she's like, you put one. Did you mean 10? So just little things like that. And then again, you know, if they're feeling something on a pet in the room, you know, making sure that they're kind of showing you, you know, my assistants find lumps all the time before I get to them. And so, you know, it makes my job easier because they're like, hey, look over here, you know, don't forget this. And and just being really good at restraint, you know, they make you look good in the room because, you know, if you don't have a good assistant restraining, you're not going to get a good exam. Those assistants, they were the ones that taught me the computer protocols. Like when I first started, I didn't know how to put a vaccine in. I didn't know what the code was. I didn't know how to like push an invoice. I was like, someone save me because we're wasting mm-hmm. so much time here. So they were the ones that like honestly kept me going. They they taught me a lot of the computer side and just more of the, the hospital flow side. So there is a lot of uh, benefit to happen from that team. So we've talked about the front desk. We've talked about back in treatment. We've talked about the people that you're working side by side with every single day. What about the other doctors in the practice? What do they need to be doing? Yeah, so I could talk for hours on this, but you know, I think it's good to have a point person, a primary mentor that, you know, everything is kind of going through schedule-wise, feedback-wise, things like that, but just keeping an eye out if you're working with the new grad and saying, you know, "Hey, do you need anything? How you doing on that case? If you see that they're falling behind and they're struggling, you know, what can I do to help?" and just being available to answer questions. I know that as a new grad, I was I was always a little scared to admit to the client that like maybe I didn't know or maybe I wanted a second opinion. So I'll give you my secret was if I'd be in the exam room, I'd tell them, you know, hey, I want to borrow your pet. I w- we have better light back in the treatment area and I want to get a look at it under that better light. And that was my code of I need help. My assistants and techs, you know, knew that. And then it was like, OK, let's go find, you know. Dr. Crombie today, um, you know, whoever else was on with me of like, hey, you know, Dr. Boatwright wants you to look at this lump because she wants another opinion before she talks to the owners. And so, I, you know, I still use that sometimes, although I'm much more comfortable telling people now like, hey, I want to have my colleague look at this because I want to get their opinion too. And then we'll talk more. And to be honest, most pet owners are really, really receptive to that. Um, and they're also really receptive to, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm going to need to do some looking into it. You know, somebody will give you a call back. You know, I think as the new grad, it can be overwhelming to kind of admit to the client that you don't know because you, you're you already worried they think you don't know anything to then to say it out loud. But it's, you know, most clients are, are pretty receptive if you're honest with them and say like, hey, I'm going to get an answer. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some research. I'm going to go talk to a colleague. I'll be right back. That is a really big point. And I know, uh, like, as a new grad myself, 
there definitely was this almost stigma where it's like, if you don't know, oh my gosh, how could you not know? How dare you have to ask another doctor for advice? But again, like I found most clients are, they almost feel more comforted to say, you know what? I have a pretty good idea what I'm looking at here, but I want to make sure I get someone else's opinion before we move forward with other diagnostics. Can I grab like Dr. Boatwright? And they'll be like, oh my gosh, yes. And it's almost <laughs> in their head. They're like, wow, my dog is special enough to have something odd enough that needs another <laughs> doctor to look at it. Like, whoa. And so that's the the viewpoint that a lot of them have reacted with at least. And they've had no issue with me bringing in another doctor, like physically me being like, I'm just going to grab Dr. Boatwright from the room next door. We'll be right back. <laughs> and just like bringing her right in um, and doing mm-hmm. it that way. Or even just saying, you know what? That's a really good question. I don't have the answer for you here today. I'm going to go dig into the research and using those type of like sciencey words. And mm-hmm. that usually tells them, oh, this is something that is more than just the, the general level of knowledge, even if it is just general level knowledge, just helps with the client communication side of it. So We've talked about like all these different areas within the practice, and I feel not many people are aware that they need to have those conversations before you bring in a new grad, whether it's the first time, the second time, or the 20th time. (laughs) You definitely need to revamp because you're going to have different staff members every single time. And that also gives the whole team an opportunity to say, all right, who is this person we're bringing on board? Do they really fit the culture? And then having those um, reoccurring conversations to check in and see how things are going between the different departments can be really beneficial, not just from the sense of, oh, we're we're trying to protect this new grad. The new grad is like the little gold idol that we have to raise (laughs) up. No, it's literally that if everyone is there and helping to grow and develop this new graduate, it feeds back on everybody else. So they are learning new ways of communicating with each other that supports a mentorship type of role within their little departments. So uh, essentially, if you're practicing this type of way of speaking, then when you're teaching, say you bring on the new vet nurse and you're an experienced vet nurse, you'll be more willing and more able to honestly teach them because it's something you do every day. And same with the receptionist, then they're able to train the new receptionist or just how they talk to the other departments to say, hey, you guys probably just had no idea that this is what happens up here. And it just had makes a more fruitful conversation down the road. So it it definitely has a positive feedback on the rest of the practice. But I feel like we've covered a pretty good sense of everything here about what it means to take a village (laughs) to bring in a new grad or just a new associate and the type of conversations that need to happen. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of that. You have so much more information that is out there. So I want to provide you with a couple minutes to talk about who you are, what you're doing and where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to make one more comment on what the whole team can do. When you were talking, you said the word feedback. And that is a huge thing that every team member should be comfortable giving some feedback, both positive and negative. The positive feedback helps with the confidence building. And, you know, if you have concerns about how the new grad is approaching things, how they're doing things, say something. Because as a new grad, as a doctor, you know, any doctor or any staff member, I can't fix something that I don't know is a problem. So even if you're not comfortable saying it directly to the new grad, say it to the mentor, they'll decide if it's something that needs to be passed on or not. So that's my that's my final plug for what the the whole team can do. No, I'm glad you said that because that definitely is a really big one and it goes for everybody. And then again, it has that whole positive feedback on everybody else to say, hey, mm-hmm. how do we provide um, information about what's going on to the general team? So Great way to end it. I think that was awesome. Yes. So let's tell, <laughs> tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like, who are you? Where can we find you? 
Yeah. So I am, as I said, I'm a 2013 UPenn grad. I work in Western Pennsylvania. I was in general practice and emergency uh, companion animal med since graduation. And about a year ago, I actually moved into part-time practice so that I could do freelance speaking and writing. I'd been doing a little bit on the side, and so I'm working on growing that up. I'm also working on developing some mentorship resources for practices and some, you know, kind of coaching style things. So that is hopefully going to be available in the next few months. So stay tuned. On Instagram, I put a lot of mentorship content up. I'm at write, W-R-I-T-E, The Boat. And that's my website as well, www.writetheboat.com. All my articles, lectures are there. I'll actually be giving, the name is different, but it's my It Takes a Village lecture at AVMA this summer in Philadelphia. So if you're there, I would love to see you guys. I don't remember the exact date and time of that one, but super excited to finally get to AVMA to speak in person. I've done some virtual lectures, but my speaking at AVMA has has had a, a rough road uh, with the pandemic. So that is a lot of what I do. I'm also a mom of a two and a half year old and two cats. And so they keep me pretty busy on the side. And then I, I throw in a little bit of running every now and then. That is some really exciting things going on. <laughs> and the fact that you'll be speaking in person at AVMA convention. Oh man, I hope I can make it to that one. <laughs> so I highly recommend everyone go and like read the articles that she's written. Like this girl knows her stuff <laughs> and she has a lot of good insight when it comes to mentorship, not just from the mentee's perspective, but from the mentor's perspective. So go over to her Instagram or go over to her website and all of the links will be in the description. But I want to say thank you again for coming on the show, sharing your insights. There's a lot of good information in this episode. And so with that, I will say thank you once again. But until next time, y'all, see ya. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Bet Life. <laughs>